Back on this Saturday morning, Steve Cashel, Dr. Nick Verma, filling in for Dr. Brian Cole. It is Sports Medicine Weekly. Time now for our Ask the Doctor segment on Sports Medicine Weekly, giving our listeners the opportunity to have our doctors address their specific sports injury issues. It's very easy. Go to our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com, and click on the link that you see on our homepage underneath the picture of Dr. Cole and yours truly. You can ask the doctor a question. All ready, Dr. Nick? I'm ready. Here we go. Question number one. I get sore, Doc, after a tough workout. How do I know if ice or heat is better for recovery, and which do I use first? Good question. So let's think about, first of all, the mechanism of how these work. And basically, they have opposite effects. Ice will reduce blood flow to a given joint. And when would you want to do that? We generally do that in an acute situation where you want to minimize swelling. So you think about somebody who's sprained their ankle, for example, Right. If you've ever had an ankle sprain, you know that it blows up pretty quickly. Yeah. We're trying to control the swelling to reduce inflammation. That's when an, an ice situation would be helpful. Heat, on the other hand, will help to bring increased blood flow to the area. So where that may that be helpful? For example, if you have a chronic condition like arthritis or if you've got a muscular condition that results in soreness in the muscles, you want to improve the healing response, then you may be uh, using a heat situation. I would say in general, if you're healthy and you have soreness that's occurring after a tough workout, that's typically an inflammatory problem. That's no different than the guy that comes off the mound after throwing, you know, 100 pitches over six innings. And what do we do? We wrap those guys in ice. Their arms are completely iced up after the game, and that's typically what we'd recommend. Having said that, we also use in our injury recovery time something called contrast when we alternate between heat and ice, basically trying to stimulate increased blood flow to the area to aid in recovery or healing. So I think both have their role, but if I had to choose one after a a tough workout, I would say ice would be the way I'd go. Question number two, Dr. Verma, what is the difference between a shoulder subluxation and shoulder dislocation? So, Steve, it's a very subtle difference, actually, and they're both just degrees of what we call shoulder instability. So if we think about our shoulder, it's essentially a ball and socket joint. But the purpose of the shoulder is really to help position your arm in space, right? So we need to get our hand to interact with the outside environment. And in order to do that, we want to be able to get our hand to whatever position we needed to go, which is why our shoulder was designed to have a very high degree of range of motion. The sacrifice that we make is that in order to achieve that range of motion, we've got a big ball with a very shallow socket. And as a result, the shoulder is prone to instability. That means the ball coming out of place in relation to the socket. The distinction between a subluxation and a dislocation, a dislocation is when the ball completely comes out of the socket and gets stuck there. So that's the person that goes to the ER and the ER has got to give them a little sedation and then pull on their arm to get the ball to go back in the socket. That's a dislocation. A subluxation is a much more transient episode. So it's a quick slip. The ball is usually in a very centered position. It just shifts out of place and shifts right back into into place without dislocating completely. So it's a subtle difference, but an important one for us in terms of determining treatment strategies uh, for that type of problem. All right, got time for one more. Uh, Here is the last question, our Ask the Doctor segment for Dr. Nick Verma. I've got a knee MRI that shows I have a meniscus tear. I am a moderately active 40-year-old, and I only get pain if I run. Am I looking at surgery? It's a fantastic question and one that we've learned a lot about over the last 10 years. If you would have asked me this question a decade ago, the answer would have been an arthroscopic knee surgery. But what we've learned is that there are a number of different factors that may predict excuse me, predict recovery after a meniscal problem. The first thing is the presence of arthritis. If you have arthritis and you have a meniscal tear, 
the vast majority of those patients will do better with a non-operative course than an operative course. Number two is what are the symptoms that you're having? If you're just having simply pain, we may be able to manage that with things like physical therapy, anti-inflammatories, and an injection. The biggest thing that we think about in distinguishing meniscal tears that definitively need surgery versus those that can be treated non-surgically are if they're having mechanical symptoms. And by that, I mean it's kind of like having what I tell patients is a ball bearing in the engine, right? You're getting some catching or clicking or locking of your knee because you've got a piece of that meniscus out of, out of position. If you've got a mechanical piece that's displaced, we're not going to fix that with an injection or with just with a pill that you take by mouth. That's actually a mechanical problem that needs to be addressed surgically. If pain is the main issue, however, I think there is a, a very valid, and I think the research would support that many patients can be treated in this situation without surgery. Great stuff. Dr. Nick, really appreciate you joining us and uh, filling in this week again for Dr. Brian Cole. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That is Dr. Nick Verma, the head team physician for the Chicago White Sox sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Reminder, folks, we have a new redesigned blog. Please make it your home for sports injury prevention and treatment, fitness, and nutrition. You can find podcasts of the show and many useful articles. Go to SMW, as in Sports Medicine Weekly, smwhome.net, and uh, pick up all kinds of great information. Many thanks to our producer, Shane Reardon. Our coordinating producer is Tracy Torrell. Also want to thank David Cole as well as Samantha Smith for all their help on our show. For Dr. Nick Verma, I'm Steve Cashel saying so long. Thanks for listening to Sports Medicine Weekly here on The Score. Up next on The Score, Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Talk with you again next week for a brand new edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. Have a great Saturday, everybody.